We're picking up our study of the Gospel of John in chapter 9, and we want to remember, going into this chapter, that from John 1, that in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And last week in in chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So let's just look at what light does um, before we really dive in here. Um, Light is something that exposes darkness. Light can um, represent truth versus lies. Light is also a um, healing agent. Um, So when Jesus refers to himself as the light of life, We're going to take these characteristics of light into play. And Jesus came into the world, into a a dark world, the darkness, being the light and drawing people to him. He reveals truth and he heals. He reveals the truth that man is lost um, and cannot help himself. There's nothing good in man. Um, and then he, once that's exposed, the in the revealing of who he is as the answer to all of that and the healing of man's sinful nature, that's who Jesus is. So in this story in chapter 9, we see that Jesus um, has left, walked away from those who were going to stone him. He kind of like disappears. And he's out of the temple. He's walking by a blind man, blind from birth. So there's a problem there. Um, Blindness was a very common occurrence in the ancient world. Uncared for blind people were pretty much had to beg to be able to survive. Uh, Jesus gave sight to the blind on many, many occasions. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 8, 16 to 17, it makes a reference to the fact that Jesus virtually banished disease from Palestine when he was there. It says that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. He healed all who were sick. It was a phenomenal time to be around Jesus then because he was healing diseases all over the place. It was magnificent. It's, a, it's, some, it's something that we can't even comprehend. We're faced with diseases and cancer and uh, heart conditions and flus all the time. And yet here, when Jesus walked the earth, he was the light and he healed. And by all that healing, he was also revealing that he was the son of God because he was doing things that only God could do by his signs. That was um, evidence of his deity. So this was his work to bring light to the world, to bring the light of life to mankind. So they passed by And they see a blind man from birth and his disciples ask, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So there's a problem. Um, 
walked by this man, just casual conversation. The disciples asked him who sinned because the popular belief in the Jewish doctrine at the time was physical suffering is a direct result of personal sin. Plus, it was influenced by Greek philosophy at the time that there was the soul had a pre-existence or um, reincarnation or something was going on. So there was a lot of confusion on what how disease came about and the cause of it. Sin does not affect sin does have an effect on the next generation. We know that. I mean, we can if if people are careless and um, greedy and run up the debt like we're seeing today, the next generation has that burden to pay. If someone's not caring for themselves and their health health is bad and they're deteriorating, that's going to have an effect on on their family and the next generation. So it does have an effect, but scripture does not support the idea that a child is punished for his parents' sin. <clears throat> In Ezekiel 18.20, it says this, The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. So there's a direct uh, result consequence of a person's own sin upon themselves no one is punished they might be affected by it but they're not punished because of somebody else's sin so they ask this question it's a dilemma they don't know you know they're asking a question he's a rabbi they're following and they're studying after him he's teaching everything he did was teaching his reply back he focuses back on himself. He's not focusing on the problem or how it happened or the issue of where it came about, but he basically says, this is why he's here, to bring light, to bring healing, to bring the focus back on him because he's the answer to all these problems, all these dilemmas that are there, the sin and the disease. He's the answer. So God did not deliberately cause this child, this man, to be born blind. <clears throat> it was a result of a fallen world, a result of sin, and sin is death and disease, and the whole whole uh, nature is mourning the redemption of saints to come. It's affecting nature also, man's sin. But God in his sovereignty chose to use this man's affliction for his own glory, for this time right now. We must work the works of him who sent me, Jesus said. So don't focus back on why he's blind. Let's look forward to God's actions, forward to what the solution is, to what the answer is to all that ails mankind. And there's an urgency in this that Jesus has. We, we do the work right now as the light of the world. In Ephesians 5, 16, it says, we make the best use of the time because the days are evil. <clears throat> All right, in verse 6, we carry on. Having seen these things, having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, and he said, Go, wash in the pool of Shalom, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Another beautiful <laughs> demonstration of Christ's deity it's always displayed in the power of what he does, the healing. So we can go round and round on the method that he used. He spit in the ground, he made mud, he put it in his eyes. Other times he just spoke a word, he didn't have to see the person. Other times he laid hands on people. The method is not the issue here. Just like the 
cause of the sin or the disease is not the issue here. We're looking at who is doing it, the person of Christ. So we don't want to take anything away from um, who he is. If he did it the same every time, if he healed the same every time, if he always used mud, there could be the danger of people um, making this big uh, worship of mud and different kinds of mud and marketing mud and all that stuff. So we don't get into the methodology that he used. It takes away from the person who did the healing. <clears throat> so he goes to the pool of Shalom. It means sent, sent. He was sent. The same pool where the high priest were, would draw water at it during the Feast of Tabernacles. And it symbolizes God's blessings that he sent to the nations, taking care of them during the time when they were in the desert, all the blessings that was there with the water, um, how he, he watched over them. He sent blessings. God's ultimate blessing is Jesus, the Messiah, the one sent from God. So Jesus sent the man and the man obeyed and blindly graveled his way to the pool he didn't have to do that. He could have just sat there with mud on his face and <clears throat> gotten angry and said, you know, what is going on with this? He could have um, <laughs> done an assortment of different things, <clears throat> but he obeyed is the thing that we want to pull out of this, that he obeyed. And he, he couldn't see yet, so he's like feeling his way, fumbling down to the pool. And what happens? He comes back seeing, comes back seeing. Now, verse 8, the neighbors <clears throat> who knew this man from birth, those who had seen him before as a beggar, were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is, it is like him. He kept saying, I am the man, so that they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And listen to what he answered. He said, the man Jesus, the man called Jesus didn't know that Jesus, who he was exactly right then. He called him a man. The man called Jesus, made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to, go to um, Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. <clears throat> the people were very perplexed. They were unable to really comprehend this miracle, um, what had happened. It would, you know, it's, it was far beyond anything that they had ever seen before. But from Isaiah 55, we know, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways. Your ways declares the Lord. It was easier for these people, these neighbors, these, the people who knew this man that was born blind. It was easier for them to believe in a case of mistaken identity. Can't be him. It looks like him, but it can't be him. There's no way in the world that this could have happened. Finally, the man emphatically says, it's me, you guys. Hey, it's me. And some believed without fully understanding and when we believe without fully understanding, that is called faith. How can it be? Oh, that song, Amazing Love, how can it be? God is above our understanding, but yet he reaches down with grace and mercy and just love to lift us up and to heal us. We have no comprehension of that. Just a, an ability through his grace to, to receive it. So the man called Jesus, he's beginning to see the truth. He's recognized that Jesus did it. The man that they've been talking about this, whoever he was going around healing all this stuff. And notice that the Jesus picked him out. 
This man wasn't even really seeking for it. I'm sure he heard that Jesus was healing all over the place and stuff, but he didn't go and pursue him. He was just sitting there waiting, sitting there doing what he does every day, begging. So the crowd wanted to meet Jesus. Where is he? Well, of course, the man could not identify him or didn't know where he was because he just now got his sight after he washed in the pool and he came back and Jesus was gone. He had disappeared. It's almost like a now you see him, now you don't with Jesus. But he's totally in control. He reveals himself at the right time, at the right moment, to the right people. And then he allows others not to see him and he just takes off. Lost sinners have no capacity to recognize the Savior or even to find him. We're blinded by our own sin, and also Satan blinds them. A blind man would not have, he would not have been healed if Jesus didn't seek him out and reveal himself to him. If God did not reach out to spiritually blind sinners, then no one would be saved. If the Trinity just was up in heaven and looking down on us and realizing, oh, poor things are just so lost. They've messed up. They're sinning. They're just, there's no help for them. They're just getting worse and worse and worse. And, and the, God, the God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit just were up there just discussing this, but did not do anything about it, did not descend to heaven to reach out to us. We would still be lost with no hope. Sinners are saved only when they humbly and obediently embrace the truth of the gospel. Jesus is the light of the world. He came to reveal and he came to heal. Moving on to verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now they probably, um, Jesus healed, it says, on it was the Sabbath day when he made mud and opened the man's eyes. It was probably the day before. Um, when they came to bring the man to the Pharisees, that was not the Sabbath. They wouldn't have done it. It's making a reference back. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. But when they came and brought the man to the Pharisees, it was probably the next day. So the Pharisees asked, again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. Remember, Jesus came to, um, to divide. He came to um, make, make a point of he is God. Some will believe and some won't. He didn't come as a peacemaker, but he came with a sword. He came with the sword of truth, bringing truth. So the unbelief that is out there, when someone is stuck in unbelief, it is incapable of carrying out an honest investigation. There's no way if they've already made up their minds that Jesus is not God, that he's some heretic and he's a, a, you know, a lunatic and he's just a threat to their establishment that they have. They are going to have their heels dug in and not believe. So they're not going to carry on an honest investigation. I have to pause at this point and say... This is so much of what's going on in, in the political field today. And it's, it's political, but it, 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 it affects everything about our lives in, our, in America today with the election and was there fraud, was there not fraud, and all the, and people who are going to, if they make up their mind ahead of time without looking at ev- any evidence, 
They won't be persuaded. They're not open to see any evidence. So unbelief is very um, uh, stubborn. It is unable to comprehend um, the truth when they see it. So these Pharisees were caught up in that. They didn't know what to do with this healing. The people brought the man to the religious authorities because they were seeking an explanation. How can this happen, you guys? What Help us out here. Help us understand this. So the man repeated his story, and they came to a quick conclusion that Jesus is not from God because he healed on the Sabbath. He's not from God because he's not obeying the laws that we have set up for the Sabbath. So they had a biased approach to their investigation right away. Jesus had violated their laws and their restrictions. Why do you suppose Jesus was provoking them? He did not have to heal this man on the Sabbath. He could have waited till Monday morning to do it or um, sunrise, sunset, following day. But he didn't. He deliberately, you know, healed this man on, on the Sabbath. It could be because he wanted to display his divine authority as Lord of the Sabbath. He's not bound by a day's laws. The day is bound by him. He also wanted to demonstrate that these laws and restrictions that they have are so unnecessary and an oppressive burden to the people. Because of this, because of the um, outspoken against their rules and regulations and the revealing the truth that was out there, there was a division among the people. It said there in 16, there was a division among the peoples. So let's move on with 17. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And notice what the man says now. Earlier he said, it, the man called Jesus. Now he's saying he is a prophet the man is starting to understand who Jesus is and the miraculous ability that he has. The Jews did not believe that he had been born blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked the parents, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? And his parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. They can attest to that. But how he now sees, we do not know nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God, for we know that this man is a sinner. Their unbelief was making it very, very difficult to deal with this dilemma that they had. They didn't know how to manage it because they refused to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. So they pull him in again to try to get some understanding, going over the, 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 the evidence again. They would not admit that it was Jesus who performed the miracle, even though it was the evidence of it was the man literally standing there, staring them in the face. They obstinately, unwillingly were unable to accept the evidence. 
and they remain willfully unconvinced of the truth. So the man is growing in his understanding um, when he says that he's a prophet. And they, he was growing in his understanding of who Jesus is, and he was also growing in his understanding of the Pharisees' blindness. These religious leaders were somehow exposing themselves in their unbelief and their, their stubbornness and their self-centeredness. So they bring the parents in. The parents acknowledge, yes, this is our son, but they had fear. They could not speak the truth out of fear. Fear is so paralyzing, so damaging. Um, to be able to have a belief in Christ and in the truth, to be able to take a stand for truth. I think um, many people today are losing their backbone out of fear. We've said this before. There's so many verses in scripture that talk about fear. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Do not be anxious about anything. But deal with everything in prayer. We live in a very fearful time. I mean, you can sense it in the air. There's an oppression out there because of this virus, and you have to wear a mask, and you have to do this, and you have to save this, and you can't be together at Thanksgiving and Christmas. People, wake up. Be logical. Think through things. There's so many voices that are screaming at us today. It's a matter of people stopping and, and looking at the evidence weighing in on stuff. There's lies and truths out there floating around. And take a stand for the truth. Trust God. Trust that you're a child of the king. So these parents were fearful, and they just went and referred to their son. Just go ahead and, 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 and ask him. The Pharisees went back and asked him, and they are still believing that Jesus is a as a lunatic and he's a sinner and so they're calling on the man to give glory to God and not to Jesus they were demanding the man to stop lying that's how they come down to their whole thing he's lying but Jesus didn't do this God did this it wasn't Jesus so we call on the man to stop lying well the man was not lying he was telling the truth unbelief is so irrational and so rude Verse 25, the man answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple? Wow, he really gives them a jab that time. He's presented the evidence. He's told them. He's, he's witness to what Jesus did. And they were refusing to hear it. And they're just spinning wheels going over and over and over. The man clung to the undeniable reality of his sight that Jesus had healed him. So the Pharisees had no way to advance their lame argument. So they just go over the same ground again. The man's question to them, though, about their desire to follow Jesus, ooh, that struck a nerve. They got angry at that, and they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Oh, they just pull themselves up by their self-righteous bootstraps, and they react to the man's mockery. And they retreat back to the safety of their supposed loyalty to Moses. 
and they say that Jesus is a deranged, untrained blasphemer from an insignificant family. That's what happens when people, the result of people who cling to their sin and their unbelief, they have to do something with Jesus. We've talked about that, how they have to make some decision about who Jesus is. And they clung to their unbelief. Now the man's answer, starting in verse 31, is remarkable. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. This humble beggar, this man had, who had been born blind, he gives them, these religious heretics, a theological lecture. God obviously heard Jesus since he gave him the power to do something unheard of. Jesus is obviously in a fellowship with God because nowhere would God allow a sinner to do this miraculous thing. So they attacked the man and accused him of gross sin because he was born blind. He must have had some gross sin and they excommunicated him. They cast him out. There's a division again. Cast him out, a dividing line. We know from a former Pharisee, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul writes, The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So the vision is happening. Those who have been healed, um, revealed of, of who Jesus is and, and healed in their thinking and in their fellowship with God versus those who are still lost in their sin. It's interesting that these Pharisees cast the man out of the synagogue, but in reality they will be the ones that will be cast into the darkness. Jesus came to the world to reveal who he was and to heal those who will believe. Well, let's finish it up with um, taking a look at what is a revelation. If Jesus came to reveal um, and to heal, what, what's, uh, what is a revelation? Dictionary says it is to discover, to expose, to sight, to recognize or understand, disclose, divulge, make known something previously concealed. So Jesus came to reveal, light reveals, and he's revealing in the sense of spiritual sight what's going on. Verse 35, Jesus heard that the man had, that they had cast him out and having found him, he looked for him again. Jesus sought him out. Do you believe in the son of man? Jesus asks. If God did not take the initiative in salvation, then no one would be saved. This is such an important thing. Some people think that everyone's given the opportunity and we can say yay or nay. We are spiritually enlightened and can say no, but that's not the case. God the Father is the one who spiritually enlightens, who reveals who Jesus is to a sinner. 
Sinners cannot seek him out on their own. It's a total depravity of mankind. Romans 3.10. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. John 6.44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. John 15.16. You did not choose me, but I choose you, chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whoever you ask the Father, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And John 1, 12 to 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the flesh, will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God initiates salvation. Jesus' question to the man, asking the man, um, do you believe in the Son of Man? Demanded a, a response from the man. He needed to answer that question. Did he believe in the Son of Man? Or did he just believe that Jesus was a miracle he, worker or a prophet? And what does the man say in 36? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? The man's heart was already divinely prepared. God the Father had called him and revealed him. And once the, once the revelation of who Jesus really is, it is an irresistible grace. You cannot say no once your eyes of your heart are open to, to, the, to the loving, compassionate, redeemer, almighty son of God. John 1, 12, but to all who did receive him and believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John six forty, for this is the will of my father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Everyone who looks on him and believes has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. In Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Verse 37, Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Oh, there's the transgression. There's the, the progress of from the man saying it is the man called Jesus to he is a prophet to now he is calling him Lord. The Spirit of God has opened his heart to the truth. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes I will not cast out. The man's spiritual darkness was dispelled and he saw clearly who Jesus is. And the result of that was worship, revealed and healed, restored relationship with God is fellowship. Well, that was spiritual sight. The spiritual blindness continued to remain in verse 39. Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world that whoever, that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. <clears throat> the spiritual blindness receive judgment. <clears throat> those who reject the gospel, reject the message that Jesus Christ is the son of God, came to die for our sins and give us eternal life for all who believe in his name. <clears throat> if they reject that, they condemn themselves. 
If you reject Jesus' peace he brings, then you receive his punishment. If you reject the grace that he brings, then you receive his justice. If you reject his mercy, then you receive his wrath. And if you reject his love, you receive his anger. And if you reject his forgiveness, you receive his judgment from commentary. A beautiful way to, to say all of that. Verse 40. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind in their cocky way? Their blindness, they could not admit their condition. Had they heard as they were witnessing this interaction with this man that used to be blind and now could see and called him Lord and worshipped him, they would have fallen on their face also. It would have been revealed to them also who Jesus is and fallen on their face and given him credit for the miracle that he had done. But their cockiness just said, hey, are we blind too? It just confirmed the dark condition of their hearts. And Jesus says in 41, to them. If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. In other words, they did not admit that they were blind. So they weren't being able to look for a cure. If one if a person doesn't admit there's something wrong, if a person is sick and can't admit that they're sick, then they're not going to look for a cure. So their sins remain and they Unfortunately for many, their sins will remain forever and they will experience pain for their sins throughout eternity. Jesus came as the light of the world. He's the light of the world. He came to reveal truth and to heal. So as we go into this Christmas season, it's um, just a, a, a miraculous time to, to remind ourselves that he is the light of the world. And the reason he did come to be born a baby um, was to redeem mankind for those who believe. I just pray that we all can have the boldness and the strength to speak the truth and not be um, fearful to admit the whole reason that Christmas is here or to not celebrate Christmas. There's many voices out there, um, many people in authority who are trying to squash all of this and we need to take a stand and not be afraid to just voice our the truth that's out there. That the reason for the season, I guess you want to say it that way, is for Jesus Christ and his love. Almighty God, give us the boldness for the season. Give us a strength and a love for you that we can just let all fear dissipate, all unbelief dissipate, and let us fall on our face to worship you. To your glory, in the name of Christ, amen.